When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Craig Burley. We'll kick things off with that top of the table clash in the Premier League as Liverpool took on Arsenal at Anfield. Who'd be Arsenal would start the better of the two sides, opening the scoring after just four minutes. Gabriel with a headed goal to make it 1-0. On the 20th minute mark, though, Liverpool felt, and indeed they really should have had a penalty, a handball from Odegaard was somehow missed by the on-field referee and VAR as well. No penalty given there. However, Liverpool would equalise 10 minutes later. A lovely ball from Alexander-Arnold would find Salah, who'd beat Zinchenko to make it 1-1. Late on, Alexander-Arnold had the opportunity to make it 2-1 to Liverpool. His shot, though, would hit the crossbar. And in the end, the spoils are shared, which is actually good news for Manchester City. Arsenal will be top of Christmas, one point clear of Liverpool and Aston Villa. Spurs won earlier in the day, beating Everton. Manchester City, of course, have been involved in the Club World Cup. They sit six points adrift of Arsenal, but they do have a game in hand. For more on this, Frank LeBeouf, Gab Margotti with us. We'll hear from the boys in a moment, but sometimes these games can prove to be a little anticlimactic. This was fun. No, no, it was a good game. End to end, obviously, in contrast to last weekend when United sat in, which was not a surprise. Uh, a little bit lacking quality in the final third. No, poor, poor from uh, Martinelli. I think at times from, from Arsenal's perspective, uh, I thought Gomez got a hold. He struggled when he first came on and then after that, I thought he did quite well with Saka. Jesus struggled a little bit uh, up there. Obviously, Nunes didn't play. Mm-hmm. Came on uh, as a sub. And I think we may see that with Gakpo or Jota when he's fit playing as the false nine and then it's whether Nunes will play off that left-hand side or maybe on the right side once Salah goes. Uh, there was a great battle in the middle of the park. I thought, from Arsenal's perspective, I thought Saliba and Declan Rice were their two best players. I thought Kanati was tremendous when needed for Liverpool. Uh, and it was evenly... And I just felt in the second half, maybe at the start, that crowd got behind Liverpool first 10 minutes of the second half and they got a little bit of a head of steam. But Arsenal managed to, to, to sort of quell that. Yeah. And uh, obviously the big chance came from, from not brilliant play from Liverpool, but it came from... Uh, well, a comedy of errors on the edge of the box when Martin Odegaard got mixed up with, I don't know who it was, one of his own players, and then we just saw that chance there. But, but yeah, uh, Arsenal lost at Villa last week and have now drawn, and United have drawn two in a row. So, as yeah. you said, City, without really doing much, have, uh, and I suppose Aston Villa drawn against Sheffield United and, uh, yesterday, which was a big surprise. It's been... Uh, even though they did win the Club World Cup, which is very prestigious. Yes. Uh, in terms of the league, it's been a pretty good seven days for them. Uh, Gab, overall, will Liverpool be the slightly more disappointed of the two sides? They didn't get the win. I think they will be because of, of, of the Odegaard decision, because of, of, of Alexander-Arnold hitting crossbar, because ultimately they were at home. Um, 
However, on the flip side, I, I've been saying for a while that Liverpool were really far from their ceiling in terms of performance, and yet you know they were at or near the top of the league despite not really firing in all cylinders. And I thought this game today, actually, Liverpool played much better, much better than they have uh, in recent weeks. And sure, they, they dropped two points, and it's going to feel like two points dropped. But if, if, if they can get to click as a team, maybe be less reliant on, 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 on Mo Salah, especially after he goes away. Um, I think they'll be in a really good place to challenge for the title. Uh, as Craig mentioned, Saliba, excellent once again. We know what happened when he went out injured last season, Frank. They're going to wrap him in cotton wool, aren't they? Yeah, the guy is tremendous. I mean, he's, he's even better than the last season. What I saw today... At some point, even when he had the ball, he was so clever in front on the French television. He said, well, he, he should play alongside the Degard as a number 10 because he knows exactly what to do with the ball. Defensively, the guy is so strong. Uh, well, being held by, uh, by his, uh, his teammates as well. I think uh, we cannot uh, uh, forget that uh, the others are working very hard as well. And Gabriel was very good. And the, the, the four centre-backs were very good today, mm. I have to say. Um, but I, I, I would have to maybe lower a little bit the Liverpool... Uh, uh, expectations where maybe they could they would be frustrated after that game by drawing. The Arsenal has four clear chances in the first 15 minutes. As they would at this score, it would have been completely different. I don't know what would have happened to Liverpool, but uh, I think it's Gabriel Jesus has a big one, uh, and uh, and of course you have you have the goal, but you have so many chances in in 15 minutes. Uh, which could have changed the, the, the game. Yes, of course, there is a penalty for me. Yes, there, there is the TAA chances, uh, chance, sorry, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, Arsenal can be also disappointed by their lack of, uh, of, um, of scoring goals in the first 15 minutes. When we talked about who is most likely to catch City, you've always said Arsenal over Liverpool. Does today confirm that? I mean, it, it, there's not a lot between the sides. I, I, I just feel Arsenal are a more solid unit. Uh, you know, I think if you were to put Declan Rice in that Liverpool side, make a heck of a difference. Right. Hell of a difference in there. Uh, but I think they're a little bit more solid. The fullback area is, is becoming an issue, particularly the left side. The striking area, and there's talk of Ivan Tony and others, but he's not played for months. That, that's, that's still an issue. Uh, but I still think, for me, they're just slightly ahead. And I think when you look so can, at... Can they win the league with Jesus up top? Well, I, I think they can, but it will depend on what Man City do. If Man City keep faltering, they might not need to put together right. a tremendous run. Who, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I think it's a, it is a worry for... Uh, it's going to be a worry for uh, Mikel Arteta. But one of the things to think about, we've been very critical about David Raya, myself in particular. You go away to Anfield, yeah, we saw that chance from Alexander-Arnold, but think about it. How many saves did yeah. he actually have to make at Anfield? I mean, Alisson wasn't exactly busy at the other end. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that. Uh, but bear in the mind, they're the away side. Uh, David Raya wasn't exactly overworked. He was not, right? And I think that tells you how solid generally they are. I mean, there's a couple of hiccups that came their way, and a lot of that was down to Arsenal. The Alexander-Arnold chance was down to Arsenal on the edge of their own box. Uh, Declan Rice had to bail Zinchenko out when he tried to Cruyff turn uh, in the first half. So a lot of it, uh, two or three of the incidents were down to them more than what Liverpool created. 
Uh, both sides have their flaws, but then, but then so does City. So I just think it is very, very tight. And I, I sincerely hope that Aston Villa can stay in there just to muddy the waters. Mm. So unless City put a run together, which we keep saying, well, they're going to do it because they do it every year. I think it's looking more dubious this year that, that it's going to be as nailed on as it's been in the past. It's probably as open and it's been as it's been for for quite a while, and that's which, which that's is great. Good. It's that's great, great for us, obviously. Gab, did we learn anything today about these two title chances? Like I said, I think we learned that by, by the virtue of the fact that I thought Liverpool played better uh, with more with more confidence than before. Um, I, I think we know that Liverpool can get substantially better. And I think with Arsenal, what we learned is that they can defend very, very well, be really accomplished. I know we've been critical of their strikers uh, in this game, but uh, I, I think if Arsenal are to win the title, it's going to be, you know, with games like that. You know, you go away um, against uh, another title contender and you come away with a point. This helps build confidence. This is still a very young team. I do kind of feel that if Arsenal are going to win the title, they're going to have to get some sort of major value add, uh, either from Gabriel Jesus, uh, maybe starting to to become a bigger goal scorer this season, or you know maybe Kai Havertz comes good, or Odegaard returns to the level he was at last year. I think something like that um, probably needs to happen for Arsenal to win the title. But, you know, this is the least experience of these three contenders that, that we're talking about in terms, of having been, in terms of having been there and done that. And I think you can only take your hat off to, to Arteta. This is still a work in progress. Frank, how much of a definitive statement is this from Liverpool and indeed from Jurgen Klopp that one of the biggest games of the season and you don't start Nunez? Well, it's a choice. And I, I mean... Uh, Nunez, we 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 uh, we mentioned the the, the lack of uh, of goal that uh, that he has, and uh, I understand that you want to have uh, maybe the players that you think was going to score more than him. Uh, I, I defended him last time when I say I might be become the, the player that we're all expecting him to be, but right now he's not. And I and the, the 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 three at front that uh, that um, uh, Klopp uh, put out. Uh, um, I think it was only fine for me, and uh, we could expect something. Um, I'm worried that Salah is going to be missing. Mm. That's for me the turning point for for Liverpool. But otherwise, you know, uh, Nunez came on. I didn't see anything special. I didn't see a change of uh, of maybe rhythm of more chances for Liverpool. No, I didn't see that. But we're going to see uh, when Salah is going to be out. That. Uh, is going to be missed, and uh, I think a lot. Now, if Egypt go all the way through to the AFCON final, let's just take a look at the games that they're going to miss. Uh, these are the league games, by the way. Obviously, there's some cup matches thrown in there as well. We're at Bournemouth, home at Chelsea, we're at Arsenal, and then at home against Burnley. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of a lottery, isn't it? But I think the definitive, he's going to be missed. There's no argument. You can't spin it any other way. No. No, you can't. And, and look, I've always said they have a they have a, a good stable of attacking players to pick from, mm. but they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to step up. And Diego Jota is to come back, uh, and we know he always gets his quota of goals from a, a you know, and he could end up playing. I think he will end up playing as as the false nine ahead of uh, Cody Gakpo, to be honest. And then I think we'll see Nunes 
getting some game time in, the, in the, one of the wider positions, and maybe Luis Diaz will switch to the right. We saw a little glimpse of that in the Carabao Cup when, against West Ham when he started Nunes on the left-hand side. Uh, so I think we got a little glimpse into Klopp's mindset that, mm. you know, when Liverpool was successful, Roberto Firmino, you wouldn't call him an out-and-out -out striker. He's a guy who got his quota of goals, uh, wasn't a natural goal scorer, but was very good with his link-up play, his dropping off and his work rate. And so Klopp likes that kind of player. So that's what we might end up seeing. And I think today what he wanted to do, and I'm only surmising, is that he didn't want somebody just matching up with Gabriel and Saliba in a one-on-one -on -one battle because they would probably win. Right. That he wanted somebody that was going to try and make them think a little bit differently with their movement by dropping into those holes. It's just the two of them are defending really well. And obviously they've got Declan Rice in front but the answer is when Salah goes others will have to step up and that's when you're looking from goals from the middle of the park as well uh, plenty more questions about this game will be addressed on the latest edition of Extra Time as always you can check that out over on our YouTube channel we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Uh, Manchester United's poor run of form it continued. The early game on Saturday saw them lose 2-0 to West Ham. And they'd actually have the best chance the first half. Ganache with the opportunity, one that he couldn't take. And then David Moyes' side would score two late goals, which would see them take all three points. And United's horrible season just continues. They've lost 13 in 26 in all competition. That's the most losses before Christmas since 1930. They haven't scored a single goal in all competition in their last four games. That's the worst run since 1992. And they've only scored 18 league goals this campaign. Only Sheffield United have fewer. It's nothing new, is it? <laughs> it's, it's like... I mean, we give, I mean, I gave it a lot of credit last week for their, their stout defence at Anfield, right? A lot of credit. But we did say... One of the things we discussed last week was, OK, that's acceptable at Liverpool for Man United, but it's not acceptable against outside of the top four. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable against the rest. How will United cope when they have to open up? Right? We've seen it against Bournemouth and many, many teams this year. Uh, 
where they've opened up and they've been cut open, going back to the first game of the season against Wolves, where they got away with it. And quite frankly, this was appalling. I, I mean, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And, and we had some youngsters come in, and that's fine. And the youngsters, for me, mistakes or not, are blameless. He had Amrabat on the bench. He had Reggae on the bench. He had others. He had experienced players on the bench. This is a choice for him. Yes, he's got players out, but it's still a choice. They are absolutely abysmal from top to bottom. I mean, there's no other way to get around it. You know, Rasmus Hoyland, you have to feel sorry for him in a sense that, yes, he's not got a Premier League goal, but is there any striker feeding on less scraps than him? Right? I mean, it is just... It's borderline unwatchable. And when, when Eric Ten Hag talks about controlling games, anybody who watches a semblance of the Premier League knows that West Ham United generally give up possession to almost every side. That's what they do. So it is no feather in your cap to get 60% possession against West Ham United. You don't have to work for it. That's what they do. That's the game plan. That's their ploy. Now, they've been criticised for it, David Moyes, quite a lot, right? But that's what they do. So, for Eric Tenag to suggest that it's some sort of accomplishment, as he has, because we control the game, well, that's not an argument in this case. So, uh, but, and what I can't get my head around, we have this Jim Ratcliffe investment that just seems to be never-ending. Yep. We have... So many outside stories of the Sancho and everything else. And, and what we're seeing on the park is, quite frankly, it's just unacceptable. I don't know how this manager's head cannot roll. I just don't. What are they doing in the week in training? What are you seeing? What's what Nothing. They're... Whenever I watch a team, when I watch West Ham, they're working on their team yes. shape. Yeah. They're working on counter attack. And by the way, the West Ham front three would walk into the Man United front three. Paquita, Kudos, Jared Bowen. Mm -hmm. Tells you where they are. All the teams you watch, you look at Villa, high line, taking risks, little bit of a hybrid, sometimes they can sit back, they really use Ollie Watkins, uh, they've got a hard-working three in midfield, they like the full-backs to get forward. Tottenham in a similar vein under Ange Postecoglou, Roberto De Zerbi comes in, he stamped his authority on Brighton. You know, we, 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 we know what Arsenal do, we know what Liverpool do. Uh, Newcastle are a bit of an anomaly because they're working with and they have been for a while an incredible injury list and no Man United have got players out but almost every one of the bigger teams there is something you watch them and go right I get it that's what they're trying with Man United we still to this day have, have no idea they don't squeeze the ball they don't sit off they don't, they don't they play long balls they don't try and overplay from the back I have no idea I, I don't other than sitting, other than there's nobody at Man United can make a decision. So you walk in, you knock in every office, and there's nobody in that office that makes a decision. All around the court, nobody, there's nobody in that office, nobody in that office, nobody in that office. Other than that, I don't know how this manager is going to survive. Because surely this has to be unacceptable from a football perspective. Uh, you mentioned there the injury list. Let's just remind you who they had missing for this tie. When we talk about teams, as you mentioned, Newcastle, they're struggling with injuries. that They yeah. seem to get a pass with it. Why don't Manchester United get the same sort of uh, pass as well? Because, this is because Newcastle have had moments of the season where it's been good. You know, beating PSG. You know, I can't remember. Beating Arsenal. Aston Villa 5-1. Yeah beating Arsenal, knocking Man City out the Carabao Cup. There's been moments in Newcastle's season with the injuries where you've gone, That's, that, was a, that was a great game of football.
you know, going away to Paris Saint-Germain and basically being outdone by a, by a crazy VAR decision on a handball. So there has been big moments in, against big teams uh, where Newcastle have had some, some sublime moments, but it's, it's all cut up to them. You tell me what's Man United. We, you know, whenever they cannot beat anybody that's, that's up the top of the league. They, can't, they, they finished bottom of the Champions League group. They got knocked out of the Carabao Cup by Newcastle's B-side. Mm -hmm. So there's no... Even when everybody... Listen, even when that list wasn't, was only 50% of that, or even less, they were still as bad. There's been no good... There's been no all that. Do you remember when they went to Bayern Munich? And, and beat Bayern fourth. No. Do you remember when they went to Galatasaray? No. Do you remember when they went? To no. Do you remember? When no. So there's been, there's literally been nothing to hang on to. And that's the thing, isn't it, Gab? There's nothing to hang your hat on. I think there's a, just a little spark, a little light at the end of the tunnel that maybe we could work on and get this team better. Yeah. Look, while Craig was laying out all his positives, especially that nonsense about oh, we controlled the game against a team that lets you have the ball. I, I, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to be positive. I have a positive Saturday. It's Christmas, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, there's Garnacho's overhead kick, right? That was good. And Maguire had a couple decent games. And Wow. Wow, God. No wonder your dog's barking at you. <laughs> I, it's hard, right? Yes. It's hard to get beyond that. And there's a sense of drift. And the worst thing is, um, Craig mentioned uh, Jim Ratcliffe there. This is dragging on. And with this dragging on means that nobody has any certainty. Eric Ten Hag does not have any certainty about whether he's going to stick around. If he does stick around, he's not going to have any certainty about how the club can operate in January because there's 50 different people who've been linked with, with John Murta's director of football job. Um, now, this is, looks like it's, well, not doesn't look like, we know it's going to drag on into 2024 uh, once the window's already open. And you feel like that this is going to be a lost season. And, and I think that makes everybody's job even more difficult and just adds to the frustration. And by the way, with regards to that list you showed of all the injured players who were out, I think what's most frustrating is how many of those guys who are injured now actually played well for Manchester United before getting injured. Other than Lisandro Martinez, I don't think there's too many others. So you can't even really hang your hat on that either. Frank, what would you like to add? Or do you want the dog to speak for you? <laughs> no, no, he, he, she was barking because my wife is going back home. <laughs> Whatever. But um, <laughs> what I want to say is, uh, is uh, well, first, it was the, one of the worst game for an hour before the, the West Ham goal, and I agree with Craig. But I have to say that Manchester United has some chances, and Garnacho's uh, opportunity uh, should have gone in and uh, should have yeah, gone in, and, uh, and uh, it would have been maybe a different game. You have some players who pick, maybe we can get out of the, the criticism, like Garnacho, maybe Luke Shaw as well, uh, who, who are still keeping the, the level that they were uh, being drawn by the others. We all know that uh, Ten Hag lost half of the dressing room, like, uh, like Rashford, for example, is one example uh, out of maybe 10, or 10 players. And, and you feel that it's over, already the end of it. I mean, there is a fantastic interview post-game uh, post uh, about the lady having, having fun with, uh, with Ten Hag, poking him, and him saying, oh, we were dominant, we were good, we were better than West Ham, which goes what Craig explained, that, of course, 
because West Ham doesn't want the ball. So, of course, you're dominant, but you do nothing. It's over. He lost all credibilities on, uh, on this conference, uh, uh, press conference uh, time. And uh, I think it's over. It's over. He has to go and somebody has to come. To come but how are you going to resolve? I mean, I talk a lot about Chelsea and how impossible, I think, Reina is to, uh, to, to solve all the problems. I think for United, it's exactly the same. There are player problems, there's no doubt. But I tell you what, there's a bunch of other man. One thing you've got to look at as well is to say, look, is he still getting the most out of what he has got? And the answer for me is a categoric no. There's a bunch of other managers, never mind around Europe, right? With Thiago Mota, as we talked about with Gab uh, on Friday, and others. There's a bunch of other managers up and coming and experienced in Europe. But even in England alone, there's... Probably seven or eight, I think, would do a better job at Man United than right. Eric Ten Hag. He's struggling. He is out. It looks to me like last year was an anomaly and he's out his depth. I mean, goodness me. Even Sean Dyche is getting Everton playing better football than Man United. <laughs> they were able to go to Tottenham today. Okay, they lost. They went to Tottenham today and they gave Tottenham a going over for a long part of that game. Playing football. Yeah. Right. Is yeah, but you know, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I, I don't know if you were told because I, I was told that Graham Potter is maybe uh, linked to Manchester United to become the next coach. Who told you that? Where Frank? I mean, it was exact. Huh? What? Who told you that? The dog. Uh, well, I was told on the French television Santa. that Graham Potter might be Santa. the next coach. He's not going. And uh, well, uh, well, you know, it's French television. But I just want to say that if they decided to go for that coach. That coach was in the middle of uh, the same problem yeah. with Chelsea and couldn't solve anything there. And you want to pick him? I mean, I don't know. Uh, some people in the office, they have to start working. You know, it, uh, this is the point, isn't it? Is there anyone actually around who has the power to sack Ten Hag? Well, yeah, no, no. Look, the Glazers still own the club and they will own the majority uh, of the club once Jim Ratcliffe uh, comes in and, and, and takes over his chunk of the club. The problem is, with the agreement that they have in place, we're, we're led to believe that, you know, Ratcliffe is going to have much more say than his 25% warrants and he's going to effectively you know, run, or his people are going to run most of the football operations. So what you don't want in this situation, you've agreed a price with a man, you have a deal, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you sack Ten Hag now and then you got to pay him his severance and you have to pay for a new manager to come in. And then uh, at that point, Ratcliffe says, sorry, Glazers, uh, we need to. I don't want to inherit this situation. I want to make my own choices. So I think that's a difficulty. I think there is definitely um, a scenario where. You know, obviously, I, everybody knows Graham Potter has been mentioned, although most of the names that have been linked thus far have been director of football types. Um, I think he's going to want to take his time with it. Uh, equally, there's the option of, you know, maybe an interim coach and do a proper coaching search between now and the end of the season. However, remember, they did that last time with Ralph Rangnick, and we know how well that worked out. So... It's, it's a really difficult one, and I, I'd be surprised if they make any sort of major decision until Ratcliffe takes over. Got Villa next. Ooh. Who I know had a, a, a disappointing result against Sheffield United, but we know they're a, we know they're a good side. Look, it's, it can't continue. There's just, there's, I don't care if there's nobody at that football club. This can't continue. The, the fans 
as well. If fans can speak, I mean, it's Manchester United, four games without a goal. You know, the record we saw in the graphics is is dreadful. The football is terrible. The the, the atmosphere at the, the club is terrible. Mm-hmm. The the manager has not been able to handle this particularly unruly group of players, and they are. You know, and the likes of Jaden Sancho. I don't know the whole story here, but how's he, he? How can he sit back and be comfortable with himself if he's available to play? And there's just not. There's a lack of an apology. You know, all these scenarios. But I think it all comes down to the fact that it's not. It's not just the results. It's the manner in which they're getting beat in the games. And it's embarrassing. Of course, throughout the day, we bring you digital shows as well. Craig features heavily on them today. Craig, you're all over the place. Yeah, well, I need to have a word. Yeah, I'm <laughs> overworked. Uh, be sure to subscribe uh, to YouTube <laughs> and our ESPN FC channel. Right then, Spurs Everton, another brilliant game involving uh, Spurs. Yeah. Uh, nine minutes in, Richarlison would score against his old side, and I would suggest the Brazilian quite enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was only scoring with his head up until recently, which was very well documented. But good play down this right side. Brennan Johnson, who had to go off last week, got a clat in the head at his old club, Nottingham Forest, with a really good ball in. Uh, Sean Dyche would not have been particularly happy with his size defending here as Son finds the back of the net. Right, now at this point, we've seen this kind of movie with Tottenham. They're either going to go on and wallop teams yep. or B, they're going to start to crumble a little bit. And it looked like it would be B, especially when Everton thought they'd made it 2-1. But a foul will be awarded against Gomez when goal chalked off. Well, Andres Aganagay goes off injured. Andre Gomez comes on, he's, he's been out for he's had a lengthy injury period and he was out on loan last year in France. And it is a foul. It is a foul. It's not dissimilar to the Endo one at Crystal Palace recently when Will Hughes fouled him. And I think whatever way you look at it, VAR got that one correct. Uh, Everton though would get one back. What a strike this is from Gomez. Yeah, I thought Gomez was excellent when he came on. Really, really good. His, his range of passing, his experience, and, and Everton at this point, I mean, Everton played an unbelievable game down in London. Dan Juma was causing all sorts of problems at the far side. Thought he'd scored here. Well, the flag went up for offside, but if it goes in, it will stand, because once they review it, he was on. It comes down, it hits Vicario on the thigh. It's what a save. What a save it turned out to be. No, the goal line technology would show that it did not cross the line. In the end, it finishes Tottenham 2, Everton 1. Um, I'm slightly concerned for the elder members who follow Spurs because their poor heart, every game, is just stress with Tottenham, isn't it? And, and it's not going to change. They lost uh, Romero with it looked like a hamstring. Some sort of injury today went off Eric Dyer come on. Never fills me full of confidence when Dyer comes on. That's why he doesn't play, because I don't think he fills Postacoglu uh, with any confidence either. But yeah, they, they come up against an Everton side that, that Sean Dyche has got. He's wringing every last bit out of them. I mean, they, they, they played good football. They, you saw the graphic. They created more chances than Tottenham. Vicario had to make save after save, and they were pressuring. And it looked, it looked again like Tottenham were going to take the lead in a game and throw it away. Yeah. It did. And I think when Postacoglu reflects on this, he'll think he was pretty lucky. He'll think he was pretty lucky to get the points in this one, but he did. I think they've moved up to fourth. Uh, with Man City having a game in hand. But, you know, whenever I get that 10-point reduction, we'd discuss the relegation threat on here, and I don't think many of us thought they would be, primarily because the others, are some of them have not been very good, albeit Luton and Burnley have started picking points up. 
But he's done a really, really good job there. It's exciting, and you know I've been on the Postacoglu mm-hmm. bandwagon. Yep. Today, for me, it was about... Yeah, they were lucky, and it was about how well Everton played. Yeah, they were. They were fortunate in the end, yeah, Cav? Well, I mean, fortunate. They also had other chances before. Mm. Um, uh, but, but, but I think this is always going to be high risk, um, the way Postacoglu plays. And, uh, you know, he says he's not going to change that. He thinks that this is the way forward and judge him at the end of the season. And it's brought him, it's brought him a lot of success. And occasionally you will look silly. Um, but I also think we have to give a lot of credit, as Craig said. Sean Dyche, not my favorite manager, but uh, a really, really good manager, what he's doing with this with this Everton team uh, in these conditions. They've all drunk the Kool-Aid, um, and, and, and they believe. You know, this is not – if you're Everton, Spurs away is not necessarily a game when you're 2-0 down that you expect to get points out of. But they kept playing, and they looked as if until, until the very end, you know, they really thought that they were going to get the point, and, and they nearly did. And, and I think that's tremendous credit to, uh, to Sean Dyche. Uh, meanwhile, it's Kenilworth Road. Luton Town in action against Newcastle. Newcastle poor in a form uh, coming into this tie. And this would... I didn't see this one. Tell me Trippier never made a mistake again. No, no this wasn't Trippier's fault. It would see Andrus Townsend score here. Uh, nice tribute to Tom Lockyer, of course, their captain, uh, who had a cardiac arrest in the game last weekend. He would hold up a shirt to pay tribute to him, and in the end, what a tribute the team overall put in, as it would be Luton Town who would get the victory, who would beat Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle side now have only won one in six. Wheels are coming off, Gab. To some degree, yeah, but I think what we often... What we often forget is we all know about their injury record. Um, I think we also need to consider that this is not a team that was accustomed to to playing European football, to, to having that that rhythm of, you know, sort of a really big game against a really big opponent, you know, what, uh, every other week just about in the Champions League. And, and that's also meant that it's not just the guys we're missing. It also means that you can't rotate. And so the guys who do play look tired and spent. You know, Kieran Trippier uh, being sort of exhibit A, B, and C in this one. Um, I think things are going to settle down. They're going to quiet down. Um, obviously, they're, they're, they're out of Europe uh, at, at this stage. And, and he'll start getting his injured guys back. And I think, you know, we'll see kind of the real Newcastle. Um, will it be a top four Newcastle? I don't think so this season. But that's not going to take away from the fact that I, I think this club is still growing. And it's just the wrong time of the year, isn't it, to, start to have this sort of run? Yeah, and they've just not been able to cope with this mounting injury list to key players you know, that they've, they've had in the European competition and that grip that they were in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, Carabao Cup as well. They got, they got a quarter-final away at, uh, at Chelsea, which they thought they had in the bag until... Uh, Kieran Trippi comes off the bench and uh, made a couple of bad mistakes. So I, I agree with Gab. I think they will get better, and you know we know they play some good football. I don't think they'll make the top four, and I don't know what the remit is really for Eddie. How what how much sympathy he's getting from ownership or investors, and whether they understand. And I'm sure they must, or I would like to think they do that they understand the scenario, or whether it's just a, you need to deliver this, or or yep. or, or it's. Or we'll move on. I, I have no idea how they're going to run that club. And I think from the other end, the Luton win, you know, 
a month ago I would have said, yeah, we're not, there's no point talking about relegation. It's cut and dried. All sure. these teams are going to go. But, you know, <coughs> United changed the manager and, 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 you know, Chris Wilder, he'll get them organised. They'll start picking some points up. You know, Burnley get a win. Luton have started to show some form. And Forrest have changed their manager. Yep. So all of a sudden... Uh, it's maybe not quite as cut and dried down there as, as we thought maybe two or three weeks ago. As you mentioned, Forrest of course changing their manager. Nuno's first game in charge would oh. end with a 3-2 defeat against Bournemouth. But this would be the moment that would change the game. Remember, VAR will not review a second yellow card. That's exactly what was awarded here. And it's a massive head scratcher. Well, the other thing is, is that, I, I, you know, the referee was right on the spot there. And in fact... Nah... You can act, let me let me let me throw, let me tell you this. The Bournemouth player actually, when after Willie Bowley plays the ball, the Bournemouth player actually treads on top of his ankle. Right. Right. Now the referee has just completely saw something different. Right. And and obviously VAR can't, as you said, rightly so, cannot go back and intervene on yellow cards. It has to be violent conduct or a direct red. And so therefore, Willie Bowley has to go. And it's just an awful, awful decision. And when you see it, it's not high. He plays the ball. And as I said, if you watch it closely, the Bournemouth player comes in late and actually catches Willie Bowley. Yeah. But once he shows that yellow, Gab, there's nothing anyone can do. No. Um, that, that, that is one of the foibles of, of VAR. And, and it's just something that we have to, to deal with because people say we don't want... VAR re-refereeing or, or, or whatever. What, what I would say, though, is we often forget about this. And the, the fourth official and the assistant referee, uh, and like it might not have been the case this time, but, you know, they're mic'd into, into the, the, the match official as well. And they're looking at things, too. And back in the olden days of pre-VAR, you know, good assistants had this dialogue with a referee where they might have said, look, I saw it really clearly. You're sure about this because it's that. And, if you know, since these teams all usually work together, you know, you have this situation of trust where you could avoid situations like this. Um, I think a little bit with VAR, maybe that's gone a little bit uh, out the window. Uh, Frank, it's the first time you've seen that, yeah? Excuse me, I didn't hear Was what it the said. first time you've seen that incident? Yes, the first time. And, uh, and I don't understand. I mean... Uh, uh, I've made thousands of tackles like that in my career. Uh, I know it was another football, I would say, but he plays the ball. It's not an aggression. It's aggressiveness because he goes for it. He's committed. And sometimes you have injuries uh, by, by mistake and by misfortune, I would say. And uh, it's what could happen to that player. But there is nothing you can say about Bolly willing to do bad things to the players. He plays the ball, and football is a contact sport, and you have to understand football to understand that the fight is, there is nothing there. Mm. In this action, precisely for me, there is not even a foul. Yeah. Here's how that's, this is averted. And I think maybe a slightly more experienced referee, and I think it's slightly going back to, to what Gab was saying, was that the, in, in the VR booth, as soon as that tackle goes in, that would have been spilled back and they would have been watching a replay within three or four seconds, yeah. right? If the referee, because once, once, he, once he makes that decision and he did, it was, it was like he, he'd made his mind up straight away, the yellow comes out. If he buys, if he waits five or six seconds... Yeah, just take a beat, If yeah. he just takes a breath and goes, right, he can still wish you a yellow card. 
if he wants. But he then has the VAR or the fourth, fourth official, but primarily the VAR in his ear saying, I've looked at it, he's played the ball, he was low. Then he can then do what he likes. Yeah. Can, can, you can give a free kick if he wants, right? Even though it's wrong. But he doesn't, once he gives the yellow, once he brings it out and shows it, then that can't be uh, retracted. And I just felt if it had been a Michael Oliver or a more experienced official, he might just have given himself. When you see them do it sometimes, yes. you see them go over and they just wait for the players around them and then they give the yellow because they're getting some info in their ears. Uh, there is one more game to be played in the Premier League before Christmas Day, and that is Wolves against uh, Chelsea. Uh, Frank believes his old side are going to win, so does Gab. Meanwhile, myself, Craig and Shaka all going for a draw. To be fair, when the producer, uh, when Pete uh, texted me about this, I was like... Oh, God. Oh. No, I mean, just mean Chelsea these days is... All right, OK. Well, we will be talking about that game on the oh, next... Oh, are we in tomorrow? Uh, yes, we are in tomorrow. <laughs> Craig will just start the show going, oh, God. <laughs> Why we start with Chelsea? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com uh meanwhile today saw the final game of the calendar year in la liga Thanks, Dan. Atleti rounding out the year in La Liga with a 1-0 win. It's only their second 1-0 win of the season, mind, but a win and a winning end against Sevilla. And it wasn't a great first half, but the second half certainly livened things up, and that's where we are going to pick up the action here. Kike Sanchez-Flores off to a winning start with Sevilla last time out against Granada. This was going to be a tougher test for him against his former club, though. 46 minute, Marcus Llorente had just come on. Little help from Sergio Ramos scores the opener. Great ball by Koki to pick him out. As you can see, he's clearly onside. And then, Llorente's aiming for Morata here. I think Sergio Ramos has to get in the way. Unfortunately, it falls right back into the path of Llorente, who never stopped his run, and then kept his head to finish beneath the advancing Dimitrovic. Another man who came on in the second half. Uh. Didn't shower himself in the glory that Marcos Llorente did with Chaylas Siunchu. He came on for Koke. He was only on the pitch for four minutes, Shaka. And this all comes from the ball being given away in midfield. But then, once Ocampos gets his ball, he's going back towards his own half. I'm really not sure why Siunchu feels he needs to make a challenge for this. It's awful. From the time the referee had a second look, no surprise to see him. Dismiss the yellow, that's a red. Starting high up the calf, down the back of the Achilles, you're going to see red every single time. And an absolute cold shoulder from Diego Simeone, but Atletico Madrid managed to hold on to the 1-0 win. Alexis Nunes was there for the game pitch side today. Afterwards, she caught up with Cesar Azpilicueta.
It's the 12th anniversary of Cholo being manager for this special club. I know you're just starting here as well, but you know exactly what he means. Did you guys have a chat about needing to deliver him this winter to celebrate? Well, I saw coach at, uh, you know, I met him against uh, for a couple of times. Uh, I arrived here last summer. But this someone who always looks at the present and the future, you know, always he refers to to improve, uh, you know, what, we, what he has done here in the club has been amazing up to, the, to, to now. And he wants to keep uh, progressing, to keep improving the players, the team, keep uh, achieving the targets. And that's his mindset, always looking forward. So, you know, today was a special day for him and we are very pleased to, to, to get the three points for him as well. Here's how things are looking right now. Atleti level on points with Barcelona and managing to stay within touching distance of the top true Real Madrid and Girona. Mario Suarez was with us for this game. He played under both coaches, Kike Sanchez-Flores as well, who's got Sevilla in 15th as it stands. So let's get his thoughts on what we did just see in this clash and just how much Atleti did need that win, Mario, to round out the year. It was very important. They get it. Even despite they were not, it was not the best game or the best match for for Atletico. Uh, the performance uh, was not good or was not the better or the best. But uh, I think the, despite the the way you win, uh, these three points uh, were mandatory for Atletico. So I think they are going to go. Happy to the holidays. It was the 12th anniversary of Diego Simeone coming in at Atleti. Obviously, you were there back then. What did he do when he first came in? What did he change? What was it like to be there? Uh, he changed everything. He changed the mentality of uh, the club, of the supporters, of, of, the, of all the players. He improved us a lot. Uh, he showed us uh, how important is to wear the T-shirt of Atletico de Madrid, to play for Atletico de Madrid, that we must go to every pitch, to every stadium uh, with the mentality uh, of winning. And we did it. We won all the titles possible in Europe, uh, except uh, the Champions League that we lost, uh, in my case, the final of Lisbon against Real Madrid, and another one uh, against Real Madrid also in, in Milan. Uh, but. He grows. Uh, he make. Uh, he helps the the club uh, to grow, uh, to put it to put it in another dimension, with the help of the players also. But I think uh, one of the best news uh, for all the Atletico supporters uh, during all these years is that Simeone is still on the bench. It really has been a match made in football in heaven, Shaka, but they had to win this today. You see the table and how it looks, because otherwise it would have stayed 10 points between the top two. Yeah, and, and listen, while I, I, I'm not sure that Girona have the legs to stay there all season long and um, whether this Real Madrid team can continue the pace that they started the season, 10 points at, at this stage of the season is not something Atletico want to be looking forward to, to making up to, especially this version of, of Atletico Madrid. I just thought they, more than anybody else sitting in the top end of the table, would be welcome in this break. It's not a long break, but they just look exhausted uh, today against Sevilla. And while, yes, I, I think this has been probably the most free-flowing, the most attractive Atletico Madrid we've seen under Diego Simeone, this was just hard fought. Thankfully, two substitutes, well, two substitutes playing their part, one, thankfully, in Llorente, and then Soyuncu with a ridiculous challenge, but that all of a sudden gave Sevilla the little bit of impetus that, that they needed. 
after a good result last week in, in Kike Sanchez Floyd's first game in charge, that they, they wanted that encouragement. They weren't able to, to take much from it. But when you look at this over, over the whole piece, I thought Sevilla put up a better fist of it. But Atletico continued to show that, that determination and that grit that's become synonymous with uh, Diego Simeone. Yeah, it sets up 2024 perfectly. We thank Mario Suarez so much for being with us. We'll hear more from him in the new year. And you'll be getting more La Liga on the way in the new year. We've got some great fixtures to welcome it all back. Be sure to be with us for every one of them, as always, in English and in Spanish on ESPN+. Back to you, Dan. Thanks, Kate. Let's go from Spain to Italy, shall we? A number of big games we saw today in Serie A, including Inter continuing their fine run of form with a 2-0 victory over Lecce. Juve beating Frosinone by two goals to one. Meanwhile, Roma beat nine-man Napoli 2-0. So let's just check out what that means. In regards to standings in the table, Inter remained four points clear of Juventus in second. Milan, of course, with that draw early in the week, and now a seven points of drift. Uh, at Juve in a second. Gab Marcotti is with us. Gab is a two-horse race, isn't it? Uh, yeah, although Max Allegri at Juve keeps saying that, well, no, look at my team, blah, blah, blah. Um, effectively, it is a two-horse race. Uh, it's funny with Juve because Allegri traditionally doesn't like playing young players. He likes his veterans. Uh, he's had to play young players, and they're responding. Kenan Yildiz, the young uh, uh, sort of Turkish-German striker, scoring an absolute peach of a goal today to, to open the scoring for, for Juventus. And they got another one off of Lavic, who came off the bench. And Allegri's saying, oh, maybe being on the bench helped motivate him. Obviously, they need uh, Juve need Lavic's goals if they're going to challenge uh, for the title. Inter... Like you said, uh, I think they're a machine right now. Jan Bissek uh, uh, looking really, really good. Uh, young German at the back as well. Um, and uh, that, that Roma-Napoli game, man, it was, it was old school, grinded out, a lot of fouls. I think it was 12 yellow cards wow. in all, including both for Jose Mourinho and for the master of disaster, Walter Mazzari. Uh, and then in the end, Roma getting it with, with the goals from Pellegrini and then Lukaku in, in garbage time after Napoli had been reduced to, to nine men. Napoli very angry uh, for the red card to Politano in particular. Well, both of them actually, but the first one where he clearly said something to the referee he shouldn't have um, after being on the receiving end of a foul. Uh, Osman, of course, the other player that got sent off in that tie, but he made headlines today by signing a new contract with Napoli. Gab, this is a surprise, isn't it? Well, no, they've been negotiating this new deal for a long, long time. Now, it's uh, it's an interesting contract because it's a contract that, you know, only gives them a one-year extension through 2026. Uh, but he does get a big, big bump in wages, effectively doubling uh, his wages um, to about 10 million euros net, which, if you like to think in, in, in pounds per week, as a lot of people do, is um, around about the 270 grand a week, something like that. Mm. Um, but the, the 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 big news from Napoli's perspective is this gives him another year. It preserves his transfer value. He got a, a release clause of 130 million euros. So if somebody shows up with the cash, Napoli have to let him go. He gets more money, a little bit of extra security. But then this also means that in a year's time, he'll be entering the final two years of his contract and they can sit down and have this conversation all over again. Uh, Gab Marconi, thank you very much. A lot more from Gab, of course, on the Gab and Jules podcast, which is available twice a week over on our website.
Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end. Really looking forward to Chelsea tomorrow. Should be a cracker. <laughs> it's the only game we've got to talk about. It's the only thing. And we're recording earlier tomorrow. We're just going to come in. Right, we need a two wolves, we need Chelsea. Bish back. Come on, off. Man United. Sack 10 hug tonight. Give us something to talk about tomorrow. Uh, there we go. Uh, extra time is next. Um, we've got Gavin Frank coming back. Welcome in then to latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you very much for all of your tweets. Uh, Craig is here. We also welcome... Yeah, my chair, I did hit your chair. I also had Frank's dog through oh. the show barking away. What kind of dog is it, Frank? Uh, it's uh, Tulea Cotton. It's like a Maltese, but it's from Madagascar, so the, the hair looks like a cotton. It's so looks, small? It looks like a Maltese. Oh, you wow. Can. Small. It's small. Yeah, it's a small, yeah. So the small, you know, it's like it's like a Dan, you know, they like to bark a lot. Oh know? yeah, thank you very much. Gab, you hate dogs, don't you? You're welcome. I, I do not hate dogs. <laughs> I love dogs, but but I have cats. What am I gonna say? <laughs> oh, there we go. You're not allowed dogs in London. You know, not at all. You, you just have cats. Are they allowed out the cats, Gab? Do they kind of go out and come back in? Or they have to stay in the house? Uh no, no, no. They, they go in the back patio and stuff, but yeah, they are generally indoor cats. Ah. I do live in central London, so probably not wise to let them out. Yeah, and also, go... we have foxes. We have foxes yes. all over the place here in London. So, oh. yeah. You just, the cats nip out, you know, down in Knightsbridge. And... No, my, my cat, I grew up with cats, and they would go and go out. Yeah, but you live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I didn't live. Talking to trees. <laughs> yeah, talking to trees. <laughs> uh, Craig, I hate how... cats. You know, well, I don't hate no, cats. No. I don't. I don't... No, no, I don't hate cats. I'm right. not particularly fond of them. I always think a cat is going to snap at you. Right, more than it's a dog. It's got more of an edge. Less, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Less loyalty to a cat as well. Well, you feel that it would just wander off and find a new owner as opposed to a dog who is very yeah, loyal. Yeah. I just never, I always, and I might be wrong, but I always feel, and, and Stevie had used to have this cat. Yeah, that cat was not right in the head, though. It's like its owner. What? Yeah, exactly. That, that, he is. that cat was oh, scared yeah, yeah. me when I went to his house. Correct. Nah, just, the, the, yeah. the thing, Craig, you can't stand the fact that uh, you will have to belong to your cat, where a dog belongs to you. That's what why you don't accept oh, cats. I see. Because right. I mean, you have cats and dogs, Frank. You got the whole. You got a whole zoo there. Yeah, I, w I had four cats. Uh, we only have two left, and uh, I, I love them because they're so. Yeah, this is so interesting. They do whatever they want, you know, they pretend that they love you, suddenly they hate you, but they have such a big personality. Wow. They have a big personality, and I love those personalities. Yeah, so, it sounds like my Denise. I've already got somebody for that. I don't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you, you, I know it's late, so I want to keep you guys. Uh, has your cat ever bit you, Frank? Never, never. <laughs> Are you crazy or what? No, never. No, my cat no, 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 yeah. no, It would be unacceptable. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. I don't mean badly, I just mean like a little nip. Craig, how excited were you that Manchester City won the Club World Cup? Oh, of course, you're off that day. Marvellous. I tell you what, also, I took note of. Uh, I see the Urawa Reds continue with their amazing oh, they lost, didn't they? Yeah, well, amazingly. They, At least they scored. They lost. Yeah, they, uh, they, they, they did manage to get a couple. There we go. Against Al Ali. Uh, we're amazing competition. It's really so Well, don't worry. It's going to be revamped. 2026, 32 teams. It's going to be fun. In the States? In the States. 2025, sorry. The World Cup. Oh, that little competition. 2025 in the States. Yeah. Marvellous. That's exciting. Uh, is the blonde dyed hair curse real? Saka was awful today. Was he awful? 
It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Was his hair blonde today? I think he dyed his hair. A yes. little bit. Yeah. Not fully. Rashford. It was Rashford's ginger today. I, I think Rashford. Ra- yeah, Rashford. R- Rashford was, a- was worse. Yeah. Rashford, he was drunk. That was that was strange. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like a yeah, Stevie color. Like Why would you want that? Well, in your who, life? Am I to, uh, who am I talking about? Uh, you know, hair. You know, but uh, yeah, I didn't like it. There we go. <laughs> oh. Gab, did you ever dye your hair back in the day? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Weekly and very badly. Beautiful. Yes, was b- before. Uh, before a rugby tournament in college, we all thought it would be cool if we did it and uh, to kind of give us a, a, a sense of team, a sense of purpose. And uh, uh, in the end, only some of us did it. Some of us, <laughs> so others chickened out. And uh, yeah, it looked really bad. And um, hey, we all kind of cut our hair really, really short to Just, wait for it to was kind it, of was it Romania? Was it, you were yes. Romania, you were in 96, was that? Yeah, when they all... No. Was it uh, France it was 98? France 98. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that must have been lovely for the commentators. Yeah, just attention seeking. Well, yes, you did that obviously when you got sent off. But I wasn't attention seeking. No, not at all. I, I dyed the hair before I got sent off. Yeah, exactly. Just all my, the attention. And my, on my you. favourite ground in the world down in St Etienne. San Etienne. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely fantastic. Lovely. Frank, when you had hair, did you dye it? <laughs> no, I didn't have the, the the time for that. I lost my hair. I was twenty. <laughs> Frank's, no, Frank's hair dyed. Yeah. I used, to, I used to get my tips done. <laughs> you, you know, like your, the you know tips? what I used to do? And like all I don't know if you ever did this. Back in the day, it was the, all the rage to let your hair gr- uh, grow long at the yes. back and get it permed, but just the back. Right. Yes. Yeah, so do you remember that? The mullet. Yeah, when in the eighties that was, wasn't it? That was kind of the Kevin, mullet. Kevin the mullet. Chrissy, Chrissy Wardle used to do. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. I had that. Did you? Yeah. Fantastic. You had a perm on your mullet. Well, I was looking at the back, yeah. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> what a sight wow. that must have been. Did you have teeth at that stage? Uh, no, I had the teeth. No, I did actually. Oh, yeah. You I've just... got teeth now. Well, yes. It well, will... Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos is a little bit going like that uh, lately. Yeah, I've seen the haircut that he has. Yeah. He has like a Malay haircut with long hair. Uh, at the back, that's awful, but nobody wants to tell him. Right, anyway, I, don't, I believe we've not had many questions so far. Oh, oh sorry. Well, you were the one, we started cats and now we've gone to mullets. Um, for Craig, once it was obvious that Manchester United was going to lose, did the producer of the show jump onto the bat phone to get you into the studio in person? Hmm. Yeah. You've been busy, you're on digital today, doing hits. What happened was we reshuffled everybody's schedule. Yeah. To accommodate me coming in. There we are. Beautiful. But as I was saying to uh, one of our colleagues earlier, uh, it's getting quite difficult uh, not to be here when Man United lose. Uh, well, yes. Because it's yep. the it's worst record since 1930. Uh, will Nunez ever produce in the final third again, Gab? Well, I mean, presumably at some point he will, but uh, you know, I, I think the reality to him is he brings a lot of other attributes to to the table and you know I, I know he had that the one breakout season where he scored a ton of goals for Benfica but I, I don't know that you know he's ever going to become you know Erling Holland in terms of goal scoring but but he doesn't need to to be useful and I think that's what that's Klopp's trying to find him spots where where he can help without necessarily um, converting all those chances. Craig, I noticed you've been tweeting quite a lot lately. What's happened? Is the Christmas spirit getting to you? Will we keep these daily tweets going into 2024? Unlikely. 
Well, there's no golf, that's why. You're bored. Correct. Yeah, that's nothing that's the reason. Once I take the dogs <laughs> Yes. Once I take the dogs out for their uh, the long walk in the park. Yep. I come back, bit cold, golf's finished, obviously in Connecticut set up, Craig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought I just I don't I don't like getting involved. I don't get involved in debate with people. No. I just can't be bothered. Right. Well, no, I don't mind posting the odd picture of a of a dog or, or whatever. Oh, good. I don't want lenses. Gab, I you're always saying <laughs> Gab, you're always saying you want to see Ten Hag get players in that fit his plans. But how did he manage to go for Anthony instead of Kudos? It's one of the many, many mysteries uh, of this man um, and Manchester United's recruitment. And I, I would assume when Sir Jim Ratcliffe did his uh, due diligence of the club, he probably sat down and said, uh, hey, Murta, hey, Eric, come here. Uh, how do we end up with all these players? How is it that, you know, mo most everybody that we signed is either somebody you watched on TV in the Champions League, like, like Casemiro, somebody you played against last year, like Mason Mount, or a bunch of guys that you know from Holland, and many of them also came through the same agency. I, 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 how did this all work out? Um, and I think they're going to have to answer that. Uh, you know, uh, do they fit the system? On paper, I think they certainly did early on. You, you could see what he was trying to do, but then they didn't play like that last year, uh, not in the least. And, you know, and, and the outcome is, is what we're seeing now. I don't know if there's any truth in the, uh, the story that was flying about, uh, I think, yesterday, I believe, Gab will know more than me, about when Jude Bellingham went to Man United's training ground as a 16-year-old. Did you see that story? Nope. And allegedly, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was hoping to schmooze with the player he's represented as his family, sell the club. Yep. Well, not sell the club. Sure, no, but no, sell the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah which, which Ferguson and David Gill did for many a year to, yes. to some, some players that were going to other clubs. You know, and they would hijack moves for big name players and Ferguson would, would sell a project and a story and about family and, and apparently he, apparently he was fuming with, Gab mentioned John Murtaugh, one of the technical people at the club, uh, basically Ferguson got a handshake with Bellingham's entourage and him and was ushered out of the room. Oh wow. And basically was... And that was it? Blanked. Not that it, I'm not suggesting that, that uh, he, he would have gone to Man United, maybe his mind was made up to go abroad, which seems to be the best move for him obviously, but I think the fact that if that was true, that not allowing somebody who could quite frankly sell the club yeah. to you as a family and maybe just maybe just change your mum and dad's mind or whatever when other people at this club always it seems to think that they know better which wouldn't surprise you oh go on Cam no I was just trying to think when so when he was 16 who would have the United manager have been would it have been Louis van Gaal at that stage you know what I, I, I'm always wondering whether some of the managers who came after, obviously with Davy Moyes, there was no issue, but obviously he only lasted one year. I, I'm just trying to, as I've heard that story too, I was trying to place it in time and wondering whether it might have had to do with whoever the manager was, you know, maybe like to have Sir Alex around just kind of to wave, to wave and have pictures, but didn't necessarily want him too closely involved with the team. Nico I don't know, I'm just giving a pass here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> giving the benefit of the doubt. Frank, Nico Jackson or Rasmus Hoyland, who'll have a better career in the Premier League? Oh, wait, no. 
Wait. Ah, wait, I've missed one. I've missed one. Any advice for Manchester United fans like me? Anything to look forward to to the rest of the season, Frank? Wow. Uh, yeah, us coming in here and bashing them. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, to get to, to, to get a little bit of uh, optimism uh, about, about Manchester United right now. I think, um, um, well, if you, if you love Manchester United, keep believing that uh, something's going to get better. I think players coming back, maybe. But uh, as Craig mentioned during the show, maybe there is, there is a time where the coach has to go and you have to change something to maybe create a psych- psychological uh, uh, reaction and, uh, and hope for the best for, for Manchester United. Uh, because if it doesn't work, and we had Chelsea, uh, uh, some often mentioned Chelsea, uh, and, and all the, the big mess that they've been in, um, yeah, the best way is to maybe create that psychological reaction and uh, therefore uh, sack um, uh, Ten Hag. Nico Jackson or Rasmus Hoyland, who will have a better career in the Premier League, right? Uh, I think Rasmus Hoyland will if he, eventually, when, when United or he goes somewhere else and it might not be the Premier League, I think ultimately we're, I think he's a better player, a, a better prospect. Uh, we're just not seeing that at the moment, and clearly he's obviously struggling in front of goal. But I think there's more to his game, if I'm being honest, uh, than, uh, than than Nico Jackson. So I would say Hoyland. For Frank, have you ever done an acting gig where you had to cry on command? And can we see a demonstration from the acting master? <laughs> yes, I had to do that last year. Um, playing in a movie uh, in the church where I lost my best friend. Oh, yeah, it is. And uh, I, when you know it's a, it's a hard task because you have to use, uh, uh, according to, uh, to to how I learned how to act, uh, you have to use your your own feelings. Yeah. And uh, most of the time when I do that, I I think about my father that I lost almost 20 years ago. And uh, so you go to the process where you know I don't blink. I, 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 uh, how do you say, I stare, I, I, I keep my eyes on, on the camera, for example, and I start thinking about my father and tears, I, tears come quite easily. I'm sorry, I won't do that. No, don't do it now, Fred's <laughs> Christmas. We don't, we, no, it's okay, uh, but, it's all right. But, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the way I do it, yeah. Do we know the way I do it? When somebody sends a, an email out, they're running all the sentence, we're talking about the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, that's good. That'll bring you to tears. Or Kylian Mbappé. Many other. Kylian Mbappé going to Real Madrid. Uh, does Gab enjoy an Italian Christmas dinner or a more traditional British version? So in Italy, Gab, would you have it on well, tomorrow night, Christmas Eve night? Sorry, I was just trying to. Uh, I, I, I was just trying to think of the. Eagles' uh, last couple of performances and trying to use the Frank oh, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, you'll rubbish that again. My eyes are watering don't a little bit. Uh, <laughs> don't blink, don't blink. But I know, I know. I, I, I'll be practicing, Frank. Uh, to answer your question, um, no, we, we sort of have uh, we, we have a hybrid of, right. uh, of, of different sort of uh, traditions. Um, we tend to avoid uh, the British ones because, you know, um, mince pies and stuff aren't really my thing but uh you know we do we we, we, we think we're gonna have um, a roast tomorrow and uh do make a gingerbread house and oh. all that good stuff oh very and do you exchange do you exchange presents with your partner 
yeah, but we're at the stage where we have little lists, so you kind of know. Right. And you kind of pick some items from a list. Really? And what's on your What's on your list, Gab? On my list, uh, you're not gonna laugh. It's um, it's a meat thermometer that you can use while cooking to check the doneness of the meat. Yeah. The kind that can also go inside the oven, and there's a little, you know, there's like a little wire that comes out. Oh, that is top of my list. I thought it might be an updated travel jacket with all the zips. Oh yes, you need another jacket. A new version of that jacket. Gav is synonymous with this jacket. It's got twenty different zips. I don't trust anybody to buy that. Oh, that's amazing. Do Italians? Seriously, Gav, I don't know this. Do Where's this gonna go? No, no. Do Italians synonymous for their, you know, eating the cured meats and the spaghetti and the pasta? Is that what? Would, it, would, that, would that be a traditional Italian Christmas dinner, or would...? So there's a lot of uh, regional variants uh, in Italy. Um, but no, uh, pasta would not be um, a traditional dinner, certainly not on Christmas Day. On Christmas Eve, you might have it, usually with, uh, with seafood, depending, again, depending where you're from. Um, in Italy, I, I'm, I'm from the north of Italy, so we do things a certain way. But um, normally, on, then on Christmas Day, we would uh, usually have ham or or, or, or or roast of some kind. We normally have like a million different appetizers of, of uh, again, usually involving a mix of seafood and, and vegetables, and and then that would really be the driving force. Um, you know, more than like a big turkey, like like you probably had growing up. In Scotland, do you think? Oh, hey, you nice Italian music as well. Do you think uh, Grubhub delivering Christmas Day? I'm sure go, they go. will, Craig. I'm sure they will sort go. you out. No worries. You can have your go. pizza. Oh yeah, nice pizza. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. ESPN SC is back uh, tomorrow. Be Merry reflect- Christmas. Oh yeah, thank you, Frank. Frank won't be here tomorrow. No, he, he won't be here. He'll, be, he'll have been eaten You're by one of his as well, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Good. And Shaq is here as well. Is Shaq in? Yeah. And no, he's going to do it from home. I'm doing it from home as well then. <laughs> Why? So do you. You want to get out? No, I don't. I'm doing it from home. Decided, that's it. There you are. I'll do it on my own ear. (laughs) We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 